Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Noisy Golfer, the Noisy Golf podcast brought to you by Noisy Golf. And we're also pleased to announce to you our new sponsors, Adcon Consultancy, who are our media and marketing partners as well on all things digital. Feel free to check out the uh, the link below uh, to learn more about Adcon Consultancy. We are absolutely delighted to have with us today uh, somebody who we've got to know very well um, following our launch of Noisy Golf last year, and it's Ellie Perks. Ellie, how are you? I'm not doing too bad, thank you. Thank you for having me on here. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. As I say, we've got to know you really well. And I think that last year was, I think it was, wasn't was too long after we launched. We did a really good Q&A with you um, mm. as, as part of our blog section as well. And obviously we've followed you since. Um, now the world's getting a little bit more back to normal. Um, golf is at the forefront. There's obviously, you know, we can play a lot more compared to when we were obviously first speaking. Um, first of all, how are you and, and how's your golf? And how's your back? <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were out yeah. for a little while there. Yeah, I'm doing good, thank you. It's uh, Yeah, like you say, it's great to see that the world's finally opening up again with golf clubs and my back's doing great. I'm back out competing. So that's that's been a dream since I had the operation. So uh, yeah, it's all going good. Thank you very much. Superb. And how's the, how's the game looking at the moment? More importantly, now you've been able to get back into it. Yeah, I was, I'm quite surprised, to be honest, because I would have thought I'd be absolutely rubbish. And not be able to hit anything, but no, I've been okay. Obviously, a few rusty areas, which we need to work on with my coach, but uh, that's to be expected. So now I'm pretty happy with it, and hopefully it continues. You mentioned there that you were competing again. So what's been your latest competition? Yeah, so um, I've just competed in the Justin Rose Ladies Series with Edgar. So that's the European Sable Golf Association. Um, and there was four of us, so there was um, three other players with MS on the first one at North Hants, and then there was two players with MS and a girl with cerebral palsy and myself. So, yeah, it's been great to be able to compete alongside the pros and get disability golf out there. So superb, and I think one one of the obviously the main subjects that we wanted to talk to you about today, because we know that you're a, you know, you're a massive campaigner for what you do, not just from. Uh, in the sport that you love, but helping to introduce people, um, you know, with all disabilities into golf as well. And that's a, a really important subject that we wanted to talk, talk to you about today. Um, but how, how would you say, because obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of activity. There's obviously a, a lot of um, companies that are trying to get involved to help and promote disabled sports. How would you describe the current disabled golfing landscape at the moment? in terms of where it is and what do you see the work being done at the moment to help really try and drive that growth? Yeah, I think the landscape at the moment is probably the highest in terms of inclusivity it's ever been. You know, for example, last year with the European Tour, um, including disability golf in their events and also having the pros um, really keen to get it going. So yeah, it's phenomenal. I think in terms of the future steps, hopefully we'll have something like with the European Tour, but on the Ladies European Tour as well, so that you know there's females competing on that higher level with the Ladies European Tour pros. So, yeah, at the moment I think it's going brilliantly, and like Brenda Lawler, um, Adam Warby, and Kit Popa, and all those fabulous names, they're doing fantastically well to get the name out there of disability golf. Superb. And um, and with regards to, um, to to yourself and your own golf golfing aspirations, obviously as you seek to get you know, back to fitness yourself. Um, what what are your own aspirations once, um, you know, with regards to your own golfing career? Yeah, so um, either going down the playing professional route, if I obviously I'm good enough. But, um, no, my main priority would be to eventually open up my own disabled golf academy. Um, so basically that's open to all people with any disability and gives them the opportunity to play golf. Um, and I think as well, the main thing for me is that they're around people like them because I notice some people when they're they've got a disability and they go to a normal golf range they feel quite intimidated because there's nobody like them around them and they feel a little bit insecure so hopefully providing that will um, make people feel more confident and reassured that they're in a safe place to give it a go. Yeah. I think there's probably value just touching there you know talk about opening your own disabled golf facility which would be amazing mm -hmm. You're 17? I'm moment. 17 on Friday, yeah. Oh, happy birthday for Friday. You're 17 <laughs> on Friday. So, I yeah. mean, what you've achieved so far 
already and your aspirations you know you're you're definitely a bit of a um a force behind disabled golf and you know i hope that you do get to achieve you know and meet your dreams there uh, but yeah, 17. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It puts things in perspective because I know that when we've done the Q&A, um, you've obviously already received a lot of, you know, acclamation for what you've done so far. Um, I think, you know, particularly through England Golf and, and in the videos that you've done for, for Hagley Golf Club as well, where you've obviously, you know, again, you ingratiated yourself to, you know, to be one of the leading figureheads really into, into mm. growing, um, you know, participation. Um, for disabled golf as well it's it's an amazing story it would be really good on, on that subject to sort of if we can go back a few steps if we can sort of retrace your your own entry into golf and also as well it would be it would also really be good to, to highlight the challenges that you've had along the way and what what's being done to help um, facilitate inclusion with regards to you know your own personal journey into golf too yeah, so um, to sum it all up, I got into golf place. It's quite a unique pathway, I suppose, because there's not, uh, I don't think there's one golf club in Shirley that have this charity. And I got into it um, through an organisation called Golf for Disabled Children. So it was literally like an eye opener. There was a charity called for disabled children there. So you couldn't get, you know, much better in terms of having it facilitating people with disabilities. So, um yeah, so my dad was always a king golfer. Um, he played at Hagley, like you said there. So he wanted to take me up. I was about 12. Um, and he said, come on, let's go to the range and see what you think of it. And I think I was just fascinated by how people hit the ball. I was like, wow, that's gone really far. I want to do that. Um, and then the pro came up to us, the head pro. And he said, look, we've got a charity called Golf Disabled Children looks like Ellie would be really keen to give it a go does she want to try it out and um they're free golf lessons so you don't have to pay so I think people with disabilities who need more attention for their disability in terms of um providing wheelchairs and things or things around the house obviously golf is really expensive for that type of thing so for them to be able to offer that to other people is really good um so yeah we went down and they gave me a little golf club and they obviously taught me the basics and how to set up the ball. Obviously it took a while to get hit in a ball, but as soon as I did it, I was like, wow, this feels really cool. So um, yeah, I started taking it up through that. Um, and the main reason I wanted to pursue with it was literally the fact that I, we didn't know anybody with my condition that played golf in the whole the, the country, if the world. And um, I think my dad got in touch with England Golf um, and said, obviously, my daughter really is into golf and she really wants to find someone that's like her. And then um, it took us a while, but now we've got quite a few people playing. So, yeah, it's just been brilliant. And I think with the challenges, it just makes you stronger. So, for example, like, you know, if people are criticising you for not being able to outdrive them because you're off the red tees or... Um, saying the odd joke saying perhaps you must have a good short game or whatever I think people must take that you know saying just knock it off the shoulder which I think that's the bit where you either do it in terms of continuing it or you give up and stop and I think that for me is one of the main things is trying to get to people yet yeah, the world's not a nice place you're always going to get a bit of criticism um, which is annoying but you're always going to get it and you're never going to get rid of it but it's how you deal with it and if you you know have people around you that have either got your condition or a disability um, or a really good organization of people around you then that's just fab and the golf club at Hagley has been absolutely brilliant in terms of I said to them last year I think it was saying right we need to get some buggy paths on here because in the winter it gets absolutely drenched and yeah a lot of golf clubs probably do and it's not just the people with disabilities either it's like seniors you yeah. know a lot of seniors as well and in terms of a bit of a business perspective as well if they if they want to obviously not be able to use buggies then they're going to lose out on a lot of money in terms of not providing those buggies in terms of memberships because obviously seniors seniors as well can't play so yeah i said to them right we need to get some buggy pattern now they're doing them so um they've been really good in terms of trying to make it um an inclusive area yeah and uh, really helped me on my journey 
what does it actually take do you think to make a golf club inclusive because you know i think like we've both discussed a lot of golf clubs there you see the paying lip service to it but when you actually get to the websites and you're looking for you know what facilities they've got available what support they've got available you know what does it take what what should they have what do you think kind of i don't know the five basics if you like to make sure that you are at least starting on a journey to be an inclusive golf club yeah i think you know with it shouldn't take um somebody with a disability to say right you need to sort something out about this. It should be there anyway, ready, yeah. It should be there anyway. So I think if it it comes down to common sense and common knowledge, like if you're you're a golf club owner or an architect or whatever and you want to make that inclusive and you want to take that next step, then it should be inside your heart thinking, yeah, I want to do something for this person. I want to do something for these people to make this golf club and it's going to do your club good as well because you know people are going to talk about it thinking oh yeah this club really had a good facility in terms of inclusivity so it all comes down to the heart and if if you're willing to put the effort in to actually make it an inclusive place with that with that in mind um and it's it's amazing to hear what what your own experience has been with with Hagley Golf Club if you were to travel to golf clubs within a certain you know within a fairly close geographical location what are the how do they compare to what Hagley have done and and is there evidence already from the other golf clubs that I'm sure you played in the local area or even further afield where there's still a lot of work to be done and if so what areas are there that they need to improve upon 100% I think Hagley is a great place in itself and like I said their facilities they've got you know buggy paths now Um, they're trying to make the course just accessible for everyone but I think in terms of when you go to a, another club there are hardly any buggy paths if not any um so you know if I went to play that in the winter I'd just, I'd just say sorry we've got no buggies on you can't come and obviously that would think I'll think oh okay I'll just go back to Hackley then but it shouldn't be like that because you should be like oh yeah I really want to play this course and they should be like oh yeah okay well we we want to make this um, a place that you can come and play golf because like I said before, it should be in terms of the instinct, like an eye opener thinking, oh yeah, I could make a lot of profit out of this as yeah. a business. Um, and also have a good name for our club in terms of saying, oh yeah, we've got buggy paths. We've got this, we've got that to make it all accessible for you to come and have a good day here. Um, but yeah, other clubs around here have hardly got any buggy paths and like clubs that I've been to further afield are pretty much the same. So, yeah, it's going to take a while, I think. Um, but hopefully organisations like England Golf, the Golf Foundation, the RNA will try and get it out there saying, look, you need to get buggy paths, you need to do this to make your club accessible. Because the more you get disabled golf out there, the more people that are going to want to do it. And obviously if they get turned away, they're going to think, oh, right, OK, I don't want to do this. I'm going to try try something else out. Yeah, I think it's not the reputation you want. It's almost as if, though, there should be some like a, a pathway or a um, assessment criteria or something mm. which these clubs can sign up to and, you know, they can take the steps to meet the relevant criteria to then make their, their golf club a lot more friendly to disabled golfers and disabled people in general. You know, we're not just talking about. The, the people that want to play golf there but there's people that go along you know with their relatives uh with their family and when you actually look at it you've mentioned buggies and things there one of the things I was going to ask you was about the the challenges that you come up I mean you come across challenges anyway in your daily life when it comes to the golf course you've obviously got the terrain you've got carrying equipment you've got bunkers there's things like these that you know, I haven't really stopped to think about. I mean, what's your experience with those those kind of challenges? Yeah, I think in terms of like the actual parts of the course, like you say, bunkers and hazards. I think a lot of bunkers, for example, I've been obviously you, you don't want to go in a bunker anyway because it's golf. You don't really want to be in a bunker. But obviously, if you end up in it, then um, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of bunkers that I, I've seen. Um, 
needs a, a few steps in it as well, like in terms yeah. of, you know, steps to get in and out, because crikey, some bunkers aren't off steep. And, you know, you have to end up jumping in and either hurting yourself or causing a, a risk to hurting yourself. Um, and you don't want that because, you know, you don't want to say, oh, yeah, I had to come in because I fell in a bunker or fell over in a bunker or whatever. So a lot of them need, I think, steps so that they can access it easily and with ramps, so like rails, so that they can actually get in without having to say to their partners oh can you come and help me get in that because it can feel a bit embarrassing doing that so I think a lot of like you know bunkers and things need like steps with rails and things so they can actually access them I think there's two things that have, have struck me there and I think that one of them you've, you you referred to just a few minutes ago but I think it's a really important uh, subject is that you might have somebody that sees golf whether it's on the tv or through a relative that plays and they arrive at their local club and it's not set up and they could be put off on their first impression, which yeah. I think is a massive concern because obviously, you know, when I think about, you know, I or Isaac's experience into golf is that, you know, I'm sure you've had this yourself is, and you've referred to it earlier, is that there's a golf brings with it a very unique level of joy, unique joy to it when you, when you first, you know what I mean? Then you, that enthusiasm, yeah. I think stays with you quite a lot during the early days. And I, I can, I can't imagine the feeling of arriving with that sort of newfound joy, only to be then fat, only to be then sort of wanting that your your local, you know, either practice range or golf course isn't able to accommodate you. Mm. Um, which I think is a really interesting subject in its own right. Do you think there should be some criteria which they can meet? Yeah, which says that we are, you know, a disabled or like you mentioned earlier, elderly friendly club you know we, we've got things in place that will support your your golf journey and support you while you you know and enjoy this sport yeah this is it if, if for example live england golf just set out a criteria to all golf clubs and just sent out a thing saying right have you got this have you got that if not you need to do it and if a golf club can't afford it then maybe like england golf providing them a bit of money yeah, to yeah. encourage them to do it and say yeah. look this must be done for you to yeah. be able to let these people you know so i think if england golf set out a criteria saying right have you got bunkers with stairs and the um railing so people are able to access them easily have you got buggy paths have you got this have you got that have you got easy accessible greens so that you don't yeah. have to because a lot of buggies as well is that they have like these um, trackers on so that it, you can't go to a certain place before the yeah. green. It's so annoying. And then it stops and then you have to end up pushing it if you go past. And I'm like, oh, but luckily I have someone with me. But if I was on my own, I'd be absolutely stuck. I wouldn't know what yeah. to do because I wouldn't be able to push a boogie <laughs> and break my back. Um, so it's just things like that. And as I said, having accessible greens so that they don't have to walk an absolute mile to get to it from the buggy path or whatever so it's just things like that but if England golf set out a criteria or, or the RNA and said right you need to have this you need to have that and if we can't if you can't fund it yourself then we can give you this much to help you fund it yeah absolutely yeah you mentioned earlier um one of the competitions that you've recently been in is an Edgar competition what can you tell us about them and obviously yeah, so when to their competitions what how is it different? So Edgar is the European Disabled Golf Association. So that's basically like a massive organization within the European golf. And um, it's got, so basically you get like an Edgar pass. So you, it's free, you don't have to pay for it. Um, and you become an Edgar player and you can play in any event you want, um, whether that's abroad, um, in England or whatever, wherever you live. And you can play with people with a dis ability so that it's a much fairer field than the standard club comp or your national competition um for example the english disability open which is run by england golf but it's an edgar event as well because you get world ranking points so you've got either stablefords nets gross um for example you've got kit poper who was obviously on the european tour the other month or so ago um with edgar so they provide european tour opportunities for the top eight ranked disability players um so obviously that's amazing because you know 
some of the, I think Kip wants to turn pro if he hasn't already, and he's got cerebral palsy in his bottom half, and he won the English Open with a disability. So, you know, it just shows that even though these players have got a disability, they can perform at this high level. And Edgar have done a man, massive job. And like you say, with the row series, um, it, it's not as level with the men's side yet. Well, it never has been in any way, has it really? Um, but with the row series, obviously, they've... They've provided the buggies, um, so the buggies have been provided. They've obviously got paths, um, and I think they've allowed, uh, um, let us go off about half an hour before, and we're off the same tees as the pros as well, so it's literally the same level, you're getting the experience, and obviously, but no, I think Edgar have done a massive job in terms of that, and hopefully we'll just keep going forward with the criteria and getting inclusivity in golf. Super. I noticed on Instagram you referenced the um, uh, the tees. How, how did you? Uh, <laughs> how did that impact performance? Because obviously I can imagine the. Uh, yeah, it was uh... <laughs> the distance, but I can imagine some holes. There were certainly some courses I played where the the position, the t- you know the actual, you know the, yeah. the tee shot that you're playing can just be a totally different experience altogether. Yeah, it's it was obviously a completely different thing. Like I've never played off pro tees before, so it was a bit of a. I'd say um, not a shock, but like, whoa, this is really <laughs> hard, like far back. Um, but no, it, it also helps you with course management because, yeah. as you said, there uh, it's like you're thinking, oh, well, I would have played the shot of that tee, but here I've got to play something else. Um, so it changes your mindset completely. And I think it also appreciates how good some of these players are on the actual tools yes. because, you know, shooting like under par rounds. Um, it's just phenomenal and then the greens are completely different to club standard like 14 on the stimp or something which is ridiculously fast but again it's it's um, making it inclusive and it's you know getting those people with a disability playing on that level and showing yeah we can play on the same tees as pros we can play on the same course and hopefully that will just keep on going next year. Superb. I mean, one of the other things that we also wanted to talk about as well is um, because obviously uh, disabled golf, it's it's polarised in terms of, you know, the, the, the full extent of the disability itself. But also what we wanted to try and emphasise the conversation towards was junior disabled golf as well. Um, obviously, you've entered golf at a very early age and you've well, obviously you're still so young, <laughs> considering the amazing work that you've done. Um, so, so con- I suppose conquering disabled dis- disabled access is one thing, but what is then done to try and empower um, junior disabled golfers uh, again to, to 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 promote their um, involvement as well? Yeah, obviously, a lot of the disabled golf community is full of adults and people in their twenties or mid twenties. So, yeah, I think the um, person that I played with at the closest age is Heather Gilks who's from Coventry and she's I think she's a bit younger than me no she's similar I think she's the same age um but you know that's the only person I've came across that's a similar age to me that plays in the Edgar community or with a disability so I think in terms of um getting the participation in with junior disabled golf is making it fun and making it encouraging because golf can be some juniors if they're you know I, I use um when I do the sessions a lot I use this brand called Color Path Golf which is like you've got um a bag for the kit which is all like rulers alignment sticks um putting plates mats and all sorts and it's basically full of different colors so red green yellow blue um and it really encourages the youngsters to get in to golf because they see this color and you can make a lot of fun games out of it so i think the main thing is you need to keep it fun um but the one thing that you shouldn't do especially with like parents is force them into it mm. don't obviously force your kids into doing it if they don't want to because yes. if you should like my dad says um to other parents it sh- to me anyway it should be the kid wanting to go Obviously, if they're not, if they're, if you're like, come on, let's go, come on, let's go, let's let's go, let's go, and they're like, I don't want to, I'm not interested. 
then there's no point keep forced because it's it's just going to give them a bad or, or wrong representative of golf. Um, but if the child's like, yeah, I really want to go and have a, a range session on Skytruck Bay or just a general range, go to the range, then that's how it should be. And that, that shows then that they're wanting to do it. Yeah. We spoke with Andy Little um, a couple of weeks back now from Little Golfers. And Andy mentioned that when he first started out, there was a lot of funding for him to get involved with the schools um, local schools and he was going into these schools and he was teaching children um, about golf getting them involved um, you know lots of fun lots of games he also said that um, part of what he was doing was working with children with disabilities who you know have never had access to golf before all of a sudden you know they're they're trying something new they're engaging on whatever level their their ability allows but they're engaging with this sport, um, they're enjoying it, they're having fun. What he mentioned was that there was lots of funding around at the time that supported that. Um, do you think that there should be more golf in schools, more golf access to, um, you know, kind of specialist schools for disabled children? What, what's your take on the whole kind of primary age, um, primary age children within golf? Yeah, I think... Like you say, schools is a massive part of it because, you know, if they're introduced to it at school, then obviously, you know, every child's got to go to school pretty much. So obviously if they've got it provided to them and the people coming to them, then it's, you know, it's not a choice as such. They're like being provided it straight away. So I think in terms of like funding, obviously if somebody wants to go and deliver session and they can't quite afford the equipment then obviously like going back to like England golf whether they could provide a little bit of funding for them um, but at least they're trying to make a difference and trying to show that to these youngsters which also as well with the youngsters if they've got their school friends with them um, and people that they get along well with and they can have a really good time and really good fun then you know like I said if you're making enjoyment out of it making having fun games they could have little games against their friends um because children can be very competitive so i think just making it as fun as possible but if there's obviously if you're delivering it to the school then it's a massive opportunity for them to say to their parents when they go back oh dad or mom i've just tried golf out today i want to go and have a lesson yeah, and that's where the key yeah. bit is that's where the key bit is um yeah. if you've got your child go if you're delivering that session and you've got the child remembering that and going, oh yeah, I really enjoyed this. I want to go and give it a go. Then that's how you're going to get it. Yeah, uh, yeah can I just say, sorry, yeah, our nephew is actually, um, he's got Down syndrome and he attends a, a special school um, and the access that he's had, you know, to kind of, uh, it started off with like when he was younger and he's 14 now, 15 mm. now. Um, he had access um, to swimming, you know, he's now, at the age where he's trying kayaking um he was horse riding with his school you know that wasn't something that at the time his parents thought that he would take an interest in or you know that they had access to it wasn't something that any of them had kind of had a background in um but by providing those opportunities to him amongst his friends who were also doing the same thing you know he kind of flourished it was um i think i think it's really important when you put children in that kind of environment that school environment they're with the friends, they're more likely to try new things, they're more likely to engage with, with what's on offer there. encourage them as well. Yeah, yeah, it makes a huge difference, yeah. They go on their own and they've got no idea what that sport is or game is, then it's very unlikely that they're just going to turn up to a golf club and go, oh yeah, I want a good golf go. They'll probably have no idea what it is at that age. So if they've got somebody coming into it, to the school, providing it, like you say, with their friends around them. Yeah. It's just a whole different um, environment for them. And it's very likely for them to give it a go. I think I think what's really interesting from this comment, I feel like I've got so many, so, so many things. He's scribbling. Just, every yeah, time you say yeah. something, he's scribbling. Because yeah, I, think, <laughs> I, I think fundamentally what it comes down to is that it, it's it's the introduction in really early years, you, you know, regardless yeah. of re, regardless of, of, of ability. Mm. Um, or even, you know, because I think what you've referenced earlier on is that your entry into golf was based on your father being interested in yeah. golf. Is that right? And 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 when I when I think back to when I first started playing, there was only four channels on the TV, and my dad 
um, started showing an interest oh, yeah. and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but then I, but then I learned, but then I think that, you know, I look at Isaac now, Isaac's eight years old and I'm pretty confident that he's the only person in his school that plays golf. But I'm also very confident in saying that if, if golf was introduced in schools, there would yeah. be more than just one person yeah. that was interested oh, in golf okay. because golf's got that very magical thing about it. But there's also a few other things that have come to mind that I just really wanted to learn a little bit more about because um, there's, there's two subjects I think we haven't touched on yet, which is one, as a disabled golfer, um, what access to, do you have in terms of the equipment that you would have in the bag? Mm-hmm. And, and additionally, is from the coaching side as well, which yeah. is, um, you know, not, you know, coaching with disabilities is obviously very different to coaching people without disabilities so you've obviously worked with a coach who you've referenced who was involved in that organization so it, it sounds like you've had a great start in that respect um but to the to the layman what would you say has been your experience with equipment and then just moving on to coaching as well yeah I think with equipment um equipment can be a very difficult subject for people because you know they've got to go and get custom fitted which can cost an awful lot of money you know, nowadays you've got drivers that are costing like 500 quid or something silly. Yeah. And if that, it's probably more nowadays. Um, and obviously for one golf club, that's a lot of money. And mm. like going back to what I said before, if um, there is a person with a disability and they've, their parents are solely having to um, base their income on that need for their child with their disability, whether it's you know, medicines or disabilities and wheelchairs and um, carers and all sorts, you know, that that can take a lot of their money and a lot of their time. So I think in terms of um, clubs, um, I think England Golf actually have um, a thing where you can apply to get, I think it's Ping Prodigy. Okay. Um, because I know a young lad um, with my condition, I think he's about 14 or 15, um, who's just applied for it and he's just got given the set. Um, I think I think it's the England Golf Trust. And, you know, people can apply for it if obviously they're struggling to... But I think that is brilliant in itself because it shows that even if you haven't got the money, you can still That's take golf. Available, yeah. Yeah. And there's something out there for them to go to and get the clubs needed. But in terms of coaching, obviously... Um, I've got a coach at the Warwickshire at the moment, but I'm doing a college course for, and he's, um, I think, disabled certified. So he's done like extra training to coach people with disabilities. But obviously they're very, um, they're just, you know, they treat you with a lot of respect, uh, which obviously they should do. But also some coaches might not, because they might think, oh, somebody with a disability no I can't be bothered I want to do somebody else who's an elite athlete or something like that and again it's going to like the club side of things it's whether you've got it in your heart if you actually want to provide that for them and that's different it's almost that needs to come from the top though as well you know whoever is is leading in those clubs they're the ones that have got to be saying okay this is what we are this is who we're about this sorry this is who we're about this is what we're what we are um and then this is what we're going to provide. This is this is how we're going to meet everybody's needs, and it's going to be an equal club. It's really got to come from the top. It's all right, you know, like you've said, you know, it's got to be in the heart that they want to to coach that person. But ultimately, there's somebody there above them that is running that that whole show that needs to say no. This is what we do, and um, this is the the values of our club. This is how we operate. And so I do think it's got to come from the top as well. No, I I, yeah. I think I think there's it's almost. I think you could argue, I think it's got to come from not just the golf clubs themselves, but I think that as, as we talked about with, with Andy Little is that there has to be that earlier introduction in schools. Yeah. Because when you, when you look at it, you've, you know, again, reflecting on your own experience, what you've described is that you've gone to your golf club, you've been introduced to this and to this charity and, and your golfing journey has blossomed you know, and you've obviously, you've obviously been able to contribute to all, to getting other people involved as well. But as a result of that, the golf club has then provided the facilities to, to sustain your involvement in that club. Whereas if the golf clubs don't have disabled people going to them or practice facilities, then there isn't really any need for them to do that. So it's almost like you need to make the introduction into golf earlier 
that facilitates the drive and growth. But as a result of that, the golf clubs would then need to, it's ultimately, do they need to react or be proactive in terms of, in terms of, in in terms of setting, but you know what I mean? It's like, because if, if ultimately, if, if disabled golfers aren't going to golf courses, I suppose the argument from them would be, especially when funds might be quite low is that what what is the point you know and that sounds a very very harsh thing to say but I suppose that's the reality isn't it? No I do think that they need to be proactive it needs to be something that they you know they sign up to if you like to say yes this is who we are and this is what we offer and I do think then that more disabled golfers would come through because they know that it's not saying it's a law or something or a legal requirement it's the wrong way to go about it but if they know that those golf clubs have to commit to providing yeah. relevant facilities for them, then it's not a question of whether those facilities will be there. They should just be able to turn off and those facilities are there. And if those facilities yeah. can't be provided immediately, then there should be an action plan put into place to say, OK, you know, we do want you coming to our club. Um, what do we need to provide to support your journey? How do we how do we go about this? And, you know, and whether that's like, you know, well, the, the toilet is actually upstairs and that's not something that I can access right now. Okay, well, we need to put a plan in place to make sure that we've got facilities on the ground floor. Or like you said about the buggies and the buggy paths. Okay, well, this is something we need to work towards. So I think it's about initially, yes, they need to be pro- proactive and they need to start themselves on that journey. But ultimately, they also need to listen to the people that are going there and they need to be providing based on individual needs. And I know that's quite difficult and that would provide lots of unique needs um that need to be met but you know overall that that person is a patron of that club ultimately and you know they might be a member of that club and they need to make sure that they're meeting the needs of their members regardless of disability or ability um do you agree yeah 100 it's like like you said it should be coming from the top and also the willingness for them to want to do it like the owner the owner of my club hagley as soon as I met him from day one, he was like, right, what do I need? To, what do we, what do you need to be able to play here? Exactly. What do you want? Yeah. You, and it should be like that at all clubs. It shouldn't be you going to the owner saying, right, where's the buggy path? Why, why aren't there any toilets on the ground floor? Yeah. Why is the range upstairs? Why is this here? Why is that there? There's no disabled car parking spaces, so on. And it shouldn't be the person doing that. It should be the owner going to them and saying, right, have we got, uh, is everything okay? Have you got, is everything at your needs? Is there anything that isn't? Please let me know or whatever. And then it's, you know, and that puts a good reputation on that club as well, because it's showing that they're really keen to um, provide that support and that, um, you know, the needs and the facilities for their members or visitors. Yeah, it, it almost sounds like there needs to be disabled representation within each golf club. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like this has started a really, really interesting conversation, hasn't yeah. it? Because I, I think, you know, again, I can only reference, you know, my own experiences when I go into clubs. And I, I'll be honest, I've not seen a disabled player. I've not, I've not seen a disabled yeah. golfer, certainly in the local area where I play. Yeah. Or, or otherwise. And I it, still and, think, and it, though, it, it begs- regardless, and... I think, like I mentioned earlier as well, you've still got this white middle-class male within yeah. the, the golf clubs and not necessarily within the golf clubs, but within the media that they're displaying. So you go to the websites and yes, they've got all these great photographs of, you know, the, the members there and them playing in these competitions and things, but where are the juniors for a start? You don't see any pictures of the juniors on their, their websites and things. Where, where, where are the disabled golfers? What, you know, how are they represented in inclusivity? Where are their policies on that? You know, where are, are their, their plans of what they've put into place? Um, you know, ultimately, how are they offering equality for all golfers? And I think that's important that you want to, you know, okay, so I want to start golf. I, um, you know, I might have a disability and I want to find out what facilities are on offer. You would automatically go to their websites or go to their social media pages and you would look for, for what they're offering. Now, if you're only seeing people that don't represent you, straight away you're going to be put off about from that. And then also if you start looking around and you're looking, well, okay, well, you know, what are they providing here? And, you know, how how do I fit into all of this? And you're not finding those policies or 
you know, those um, those values, if you like, that commit to inclusivity within golf, equality within golf, then straight away you're going to be put off by that and you're going to come away thinking, well, actually, maybe that's not the place that I want to go. There's nobody there that is representing me. There's nobody there that looks like me. And, you know, I, I'm just going to go and have a look somewhere else kind of thing. Or like you said earlier, it might be, well, that's my local club and that's where I wanted to play, but I can't play there. So I'm just not going to play. And then yeah. you get put off. And a lot of the times as well, it's parents that are looking for local clubs for juniors. You know, how are the juniors being represented within all of that? You know, you go along. Like I come to Isaac's golf course. I haven't come when he's actually playing competitions. You've obviously said there's other children there. Yeah. When I've been with Isaac, I haven't seen any other children there. And it, it's that. It's like, well, yeah. how is that the right environment for him when I'm not seeing anything that represents him there but I, yeah. I also think there's again just speaking about that there's also a, a wider conversation to be had in terms of golf courses and I it's I, just getting wider and wider no, conversation, no, but it, it? It, it, no, it, I, it's something that you know as a brand you know as, a, as an organization we want to be able to help spearhead that conversation but I think that you know if we can try and contribute to, to the debate and, and help you know help sort of remove that that stigma and, and get people involved and that's that's that, you know that's I already really want to produce thing. a whole load of criteria <laughs> now that golf clubs need to meet <laughs> no, but I, I think I just want to backtrack again slightly to a conversation that we well earlier in the conversation um when you said that the tees that you play off because again th thinking it thinking of the complexities that disabled sport brings in terms of the you know the the, the level of disability as well as um, and again, I reference this with, with with junior golf is that, you know, Isaac has the option to play off the whites, the yellows or the reds. And Isaac being Isaac plays off the yellows and he'll, I, nothing will change his mind. And that's fine. But in terms of, again, again, similar, there's no junior tees at a lot of clubs and you're literally looking at a tee box. Would you say there would needed to be um, something done to, um, to promote a disabled tee in the same way to... You know, to again make the make make the yeah. I suppose make golf less intimidating for certainly for, for new beginners. I think into there's the also sport. got to be an equality about it as well, though. Mm. Like you said before, there's some very very good disabled golfers out there who mm. are aren't being represented, and you're not hearing as much about them. So, I suppose like Isaac's quite competitive and says no, I'm playing off the the yellow tees. I suppose there's also a lot of disabled golfers out there that would also say the same. They would say, yeah. well, actually, I don't need particularly yeah. special requirements i'm going to compete against you because i know I think, that i can compete against you i think that's kind of the attitude a lot of people have um so with regards to i think if there was such thing as a disability tea it would make them feel i would say quite um not embarrassed but oh, that's do you know i mean that yeah, like, I if i say that. for example club said to me oh you have to play off a disabled tee I'd be like hey you what I'm like no I want to play off the same tees as my competitors um but some people might find it really useful but I think because of the um the attitude people with disabilities have in terms of their own um backgrounds yeah. a lot of them are very like no I want to be on the same playing field as my competitors of course and they they probably if they wanted to probably just play off the junior tees that they've got because yeah. a lot of clubs nowadays do have cadet tees I think um it dotted in the middle of the fairway somewhere um so obviously if they are just literally starting golf and they don't think they could they wanted a little bit of an advantage and they could probably just play off that but I think just having a tee named specifically disabled tees of course yeah they probably find that quite Obviously, I like the sound of what you're saying, but it would probably push them away because it would be like, saying, oh, yeah, you've got to play the same team. I think in hindsight, what, what it probably it wasn't, I'm just thinking out loud, what I was trying to describe is, is essentially you've got, um, like when I've been to courses, there are green tees for juniors. So yeah. what I mean what I mean is it's not necessarily the, a labelling of a tee. So you, you'd have the you've got whites you've got reds you've got yellows you've got greens it's a it's a color essentially but it's but it's something that's going to provide people with the option to make golf less intimidating so instead oh, yeah, of yeah. instead of a 500 yard par five hole it, it might be 260 yards say yeah. do you know do you know what i mean and and i think it's it's that because i think that we, we did a an instagram live q a with golf access and we do we know that they do a lot of really good work in getting people into the game 
and in essence they start people from the greens backwards you know so they can so they might feel that golf is really appealing to them but to get a bag of clubs and just walk onto a course and see how long the holes are it's obviously very intimidating at the same time so it's in, in essence what i'm trying to say is the sort of the is is providing you know a more formal tea structure yeah. that might encourage people not to be too put off by the you know by the length of the holes essentially well yeah i think with like juniors especially a lot of them like just jump straight to the reds or jump yeah. straight to the whites or whatever and it's like uh, you know and then as soon as they go onto that they think oh yeah this is just a doddle and as soon as they step on it they're like oh okay i've got to hit it 260 yards to make the fairway okay um <laughs> obviously it can be quite daunting so i think as sure. if, if they've got the option to play on either the cadet tees or yeah, the latest yeah. tees, then obviously it's there for them to do it but like like i think jade said i think if you've got if you kind of saying oh yeah with the disabled tees it's kind of like a little bit like oh okay yeah. So yeah, I think no, having the junior tees open to them to play on to start from, or if they just want to play off them, then fair enough, they can do what they want. But as as long as they want that option there to do it, definitely. In an ideal world, then if we were to say, you know, I don't know how long things will take to really, you know, for the structure to be in place, to, you know, for golf to be to be as inclusive as it possible, but as as it possibly can be, um. What would be the first things that you would immediately look at to say, right, this is this is what a golf club needs to do to get it positioned right to ultimately um, be supporting disabled golf as much as it can? Yeah, I think um, going back to what I said before, a massive thing for me is buggy paths and making sure there are plenty of buggies accessible for people. Um, so having buggy paths and that's probably one of my main things i've always every person i spoke speak to say like if they've asked that question i say yeah you need buggy paths make sure you got buggy paths um because then that opens a massive uh area for people to play golf but as i said before they don't have to be disabled they can be seniors they can be senior sure. women because obviously seniors can struggle to get around 18 holes because it's not just a two-minute walk to the shop it's four hours on a course so yeah it's you know a long time to be walking around so obviously um but yeah i think for that and also making sure that the the staff at clubs are very um accepting because there's some times where i've been to a club in particular and the staff have been absolutely horrible in terms of rude uh not wanting to help and you know, not wanting to try and provide those things. And obviously that's, I've never wanted to go to that club again. So it's, it's kind of things like that. So making sure your owners and your staff who are working there are providing that um, accessibility for the visitors and the members that they've got and making sure that they treat them with respect as if they treat their, a family relative. Yeah, it comes from the top, doesn't it? It's all yeah. of those things that should be implemented as part of that that business ultimately. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that there's there's a there's a lot of synergies because I think that when we again just referencing back to the conversation that we had with Andy Little is that when we were talking about golf in schools, it's almost like if there isn't anybody with a golfing experience in a school, then they can't start that conversation. And I suppose yeah. in the same way with the golf club, if you haven't got access, you know, if you haven't got experience in working within a disabled environment or with, you know, with people with disabilities, then you might not know where to start. And it's almost like there needs to be that, you know, that it needs to come from a real, you know, a real experience and knowledge base in order to be able to spearhead that, yeah. you know, the, um, the yeah. you know, the strategy to put things in place that, you know, that, that promotes inclusivity across, across all levels. I think levels. like that, I think, you know, whether in the future it is England Golf that do it or the RNA, you know, obviously those, Two organisations are massive in themselves. Like England yeah. Golf's a government body of amateur golf in England, so obviously you can't get much bigger in terms of the representation of golf. So obviously, if England Golf did set out a criteria to all clubs saying that you've got to have this to make your club friendly for people for seniors and people with a disability, then obviously that's um, something that I think really needs to be done. In yeah. terms of if England Golf do can do that, that obviously obviously 
be really good because obviously there's um, loads of golf clubs around England, but you could go to one golf club, it'd be absolutely brilliant with facilities, and then go to the other, they haven't got a single buggy at their club. So yeah. it's just things like that. And I think if England golf set out that criteria saying, yeah, you need this, you need that, you need to do this, you need to do that. And if you haven't, you need to do it. If you can't afford it, then we can fund it for you. And yeah. just things like that, it will make a massive difference, I think. Yeah. Super. I think what would be great for us, and if there are only people from England golf watching this, is if, if you could get in touch and reach out, because we would love to continue this conversation because yeah. it, it sounds like there's just so many more, so much more that needs to be done. And mm. again, to, to promote that, not obviously not only the game, but, you know, to real growth in, in this area and provide access yeah. to people that otherwise wouldn't have it. Um, well, I think England golf in themselves, uh, but I've spoken to quite a few people, like, for example, and I've, this year I've done a few of the events in terms of the score recording side of things. So I've like got to know the staff and got to know the people who do the events. And it's obviously great being able to watch the event and how it's ran but obviously there's one of the tournament directors there who I don't think it kind of I think it's opened his eyes in terms of the disabled community and he, he was quite I think taken aback by obviously you know the amount of emphasis that I've that us people with disabilities give um so I think the England golf and themselves are quite I don't think they know what to do themselves, <laughs> which okay. is a little bit, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, okay, because, yeah. you know, I've said quite a bit, few things to them about golf clubs and they're like, okay, yeah, we want, you know, like the CEO and things, have, I think I really wanted to push it, but they're a little bit stuck in what actually needs to be done. And they they're a little people, bit like... They, they, they I suppose people, it, yeah. sounds, it sounds like they, they, they need people like you with real life experience yeah. in order yeah. to facilitate that. It's like, I've spoke, obviously... Representation. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, um, just having that representation. I think, like you say, if you if they've got somebody, obviously I've spoken to a couple of them about buggy paths and about um, buggies and loads of things behind the scenes and things. But I think it's like if they've got somebody there who who's actually a disabled player themselves, then it really helps, I think, for them to actually understand. Because I think if they just think, oh, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that, but we actually don't know what to do, then doesn't sound very professional does it no i i think um i was thinking back to one of the videos on the edga website where uh, one of the gentlemen was speaking about is if you haven't got a plan from the start nothing happens yeah is <laughs> essentially that and i think that that it, it's it's very interesting what you've said and it's you know really appreciate your sort of your candor in talking about this subject because it almost like it does need somebody to really shake things up to yeah. put you know yeah. to, to to provide the access that's needed i personally feel and the more I spoke to you today as well is that there isn't that representative representation in the juniors there is yeah. those junior golfers that have you know have disabilities that are coming through that have kind of got you know people there that are saying what do you need what what, what how do you provide it yeah. and I think without that being there initially and without those coming through initially I I mean I would love for anybody to reach out to us that is a junior golfer that has got a disability you know reach out to us let's hear about your journey because I, I, I haven't seen anybody and whether that is just me in my own little world you know kind of not looking at the bigger picture here I you know when we look at our followers and things like that I'm not seeing um disabled junior golfers and you know for you golf yeah. disabled children is something that you're you're working with we're not seeing them come through where, where, where are they and how are they yeah. being represented represented it's like with the draw sports association i've been massively pushing you know to do golf activities for them um i think we did one last sunday and we've got another one next sunday on the 24th which mm. is the day before dwarfism awareness day so and we did some back in 2019 we had a massive turnout and you know to be able to provide that for them is obviously real but now we're having people taking it up, people getting in touch with myself, saying, you know, right, I've really enjoyed this session. What do I do? What can I do? And if you've got somebody like that who can, whether um, advise people or, you know, on their own experiences, then I think that's brilliant because that's the, way, that's the way forward, I think. And I think if people are seeing, it's like with swimming, for example, if you look at Ellie Simmons, 
yeah. and now look at how many classifications there are in the Paralympics. Yeah. There's so many different classifications for men. You've got obviously the SMH6, I think it's called for people's short stature and um, different categories, impairments and things. So, but at the moment, look at golf, it's not even in the Paralympics. So until you've got that awareness, it's like, it's really like a bang on the head. Do you know what? I'm really glad you've mentioned that because again, just in doing a bit of research just before this conversation, because it is obviously something we, you know, we really want to, 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 to treat seriously is that of the seven new Olympic sports that were introduced, um, none of them uh, reached the required standard for them to be entered uh, for, for basically for Paralympic involvement. So, um, so where you've got like, you know, things like, um, I think wall climbing, skateboarding, you know, all of the, all of these new exciting sports basically didn't have enough people performing at the required level for it to be taken on and actually entered into the Paralympics, which I think, I think speaks volumes, um, for, for the, for what needs to be done, not just exclusively across golf, but across many other sports and disciplines as yeah. well. 100%. I agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. No, I, I feel I feel like there's just so there's so much. I feel like this is just just the start of, of a of a very important conversation. It's just, important though because it yeah, you know, these conversations open our eyes and you know that that's what needs to happen. You know, people that follow us, follow noisy golf, people that are following you, it's about them seeing these conversations and thinking, well, yeah, actually. I want to take action and, you know, I want to move things forward. You know, I want to be represented within golf, you know, regardless of, of you know, age, race, disability, anything like that. And um, it's about them then, then kind of like shouting up and saying, yes, I'm here. This this is me. And, you know, this, this is what my requirements are. Um, so I think it's really important that we're getting that information out there. But I mean, we're learning all the time from everybody that we speak with. We're learning from them about, you know, their journeys into golf and, you know, the the things that they've come across and obviously their experiences, things like that. And that's for us, it's about, yes, we're taking all of this on board, but we want to push it further. We want to push that question further. We want to, you know, we want to find the answers. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think we can find them all, but with everybody's help along the way, we're trying, yeah. Like I say, with like people who work for them, you know, they've all been, they've all really wanted to help, but it's just getting that i suppose discussion like i said to i wanted to get a meeting organized with like the ceo and his like um pa as they call it or like communications director and the tournament directors and the referees saying look we need i want to do something about this and it's we still haven't done anything so it's like oh yeah yeah well, well, it's distracting, but need the action no i'm i'm, I'm so glad we, we we took the yeah. time to really discuss this because i feel like as i say you know as we were saying just before we started recording you know we're not experts in these areas but i think that as we've grown into the golfing community it's become abundantly clear that there's you know there's so many good things that are happening but there's also so Gaps. much work that needs yeah. to be done in very specific areas yeah. to help yeah. continue that you know that spear that next generation as jade yeah. you know as jade referenced before you know, where is that junior golf representation? And I can imagine you, you obviously strike me as a very competitive individual. <laughs> and, and I'm sure that you would welcome you know, like a flurry of, of, of people to, to compete against. And, you know, uh, uh, and, and I can imagine. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so so I can so I can also sense quite a bit of frustration in your in your in what you're saying as well, understandably. So, you know, it's uh, I'm I'm so glad we took the time to go through these things, and I'm I sincerely think this isn't just the start of of this conversation. I just feel like there's so many more things that will be discussed yeah. from yeah. upcoming guests on the podcast, which we'll be announcing shortly, yeah. um, to to continue this conversation with. It's absolutely fascinating, and we're I think from our point of view, we'll just trying to do what we can to you know, to, to give this campaign and a real push. It's really, about, to, yeah, to it's absolutely that. about the inclusivity and about the equality within it. And yeah, I think that conversation needs to, needs to keep happening. And, you know, if there's people out there that want to ask Ellie questions or, um, you know, have got journeys that they want to share, then, you know, get in touch with, with either or and, and let us know your journeys, let us know your questions. I'm sure Ellie will be more than happy to point you in the right direction. So absolutely and for those of you and thanks so much for listening and obviously this um this is the the seventh edition of the noisy golfer podcast and we've spoke to really uh, many people from you know coaches and players 
and also people wonderful people like Ellie as well and from all different backgrounds about their own golfing journey and the podcast is now available obviously on our YouTube channel which you may be watching already Um, but we're now on Apple Podcasts we're on Spotify we're on Google and many many other platforms too to give you as much opportunity as you can to to hear about all of our content and also as well if you do feel like this is a subject where you've got a genuine experience that you'd like to share with us and do feel free excuse me to reach out to our facebook pages at noisy golf um on twitter instagram facebook um, and and also linkedin as well and also as well please give uh, ellie um a follow uh, on social media as well where you can find her at ellie perks golf um and again i think it's just a real a conversation starter. I feel like we've gone over so many I things. I feel like we need to pick up with Ellie again. Yeah. But I think it would be great for us, you know, for those of you out there, if you are watching and you've, you've experienced, you know, something similar or you are experiencing a, a journey that, um, that perhaps is providing, you know, too many challenges that you'd like, then we, we'd love to hear about that. And we'd love to get you on the podcast too, to, to be able to share your journey and help really, you know, and drive this campaign um, to, you know, to improve things, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Fantastic. Ellie, thank you so much uh, for you. taking the time to speak speak with us. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and please do feel free to give us a like and subscribe. Hit the notification bell on YouTube as well so you can check out all of the latest com- uh, content that we'll bring to you from The Noisy Golfer. Thank you. Thanks.